Blue Wire. Breeze hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. Jones with a high drive to left field. Gardner back, and that one is gone! Swing and a drive! To deep right! Away back! Off the pole! The Washington Nationals are world champions! It's the walk-off, formerly known as the Best Baseball Podcast. I'm Holden Kushner alongside Ryan Spader. Again, thanks a lot to Blue Wire Pods. So great of them to pick us up here. Kevin Jones, Tyler Chin, all the boys over there. Uh, we got a good show set up for you today. Spader, uh, let's get into some of the topics we'll be talking about. First of all, you want to have a bet with me because I don't think the season's going to start uh, before June 1st, uh, we'll talk about how a shortened season alters the 2020 season. And then Spader's stats, we got Fred McGriff, Harold Baines, and how they miss milestones because of shortened seasons themselves. Um, and some great stats on Chris Sale and even Rogers Hornsby. My friend, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, brother. Really, really good to be back doing this. Are you just missing baseball already? I was so excited about this season. I'm pretty sure I was more excited about this season than anything else. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. It really hasn't sunk in yet, though, because I, I don't really look at March as a, a baseball month, really. So even though the season was supposed to start yesterday, it's not. I don't think it's really going to kick in for me until April. April first rolls around. All right, so let's get into this. You want to have a bet too? Uh, I threw out on Twitter. I got over twenty thousand votes, Spader. You can choose to believe that or not. Uh, when does baseball start in twenty twenty? Seven and a half percent said May. 29.5% said June, 35% said July, and then 28% said they're not even going to play in 2020. I want to hear from you. Why do you think Major League Baseball is actually going to start by May, considering the debacle we're in and nobody wants to listen? Everybody wants to go out, hang out on the beach, and die. Well, I think um, this season's going to start. Look at what China's doing. And of course, that's a communist country there. Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't believe we're going here, but this is a legit conversation because it has to do with baseball. Yeah, well, their their professional basketball league is slated to begin in April, and um, that is the epicenter of this whole uh, new coronavirus. And um, South Korea, some things are starting to get back to normal. I, I just really don't think uh, this is going to sustain far into June, July. I, and I think more than anything else, you're going to see – this country wanting to get back to some semblance of normalcy and whether that means they're playing some games with um, without any fans in the stands I just I just foresee them getting back to normal I don't know if you saw the South Korean videos going around or mm -hmm. even if it was doctored or something but they had uh, their ball players playing playing games wearing um, wearing masks, masks. Well, I mean, the KBL, they've done a much better job over there. And again, we're not experts on Corona. And I don't, we're talking baseball, but it has so much to do with baseball because everything's shut down. I just think we're a nation of idiots and people want to go out and they want to talk to other people and they want to hang out on the beach. I don't know if you saw that the kids are licking toilets and they're licking. It's disgusting. Just and all that. Yeah, people just don't want to listen. I mean, yes, if everybody listened, we'd be fine. We'd be playing before June 1st. I don't see any chance of that happening. And you know, you know, my wife's in the intelligence community. You are too. I'm just, I'm putting all these things together, the information that I'm getting. I don't think that we're going to be able to listen enough to get these games going before June. So what are they going to need? Two to three weeks 
a minimum of spring training, right? I've heard a month. My sense is that they will not use the full month. They'll probably expand the rosters when it comes back. But here we are sitting on the doorstep of April. So let's just build in three weeks from there. Let's just say it's three weeks. Now we're in mid-April. And that's if today they said that you can go out and do everything. We're, we're not going out. We're locked down. And it's going to get a lot worse, a lot worse before it gets better. And then there's going to probably be a time where there's not much going on. And then it'll pop back up. And I'm here, you know, this is, the, this is the way the curve works. What the hell do we know? But in the fall, it's supposed, it might come back again. I just don't see how they're going to start before June 1st. It just it doesn't make sense to me where they're going to run it out there. And then you said things are going to go back to normal. You know what's not normal? Baseball games without fans. Again, I was up in Baltimore when they played that game without fans. I was doing the pregame show, the pre-pre-game show, and the post-game show. It was the most bizarre thing ever. Uh, I just don't see it. So what's the bet? What are we doing here before, after June 1st? You think it's going to start in May? I don't think it starts until at least June. And I think there's a legit possibility we don't have baseball this year. Give me June 1st and under, and we'll do a nice $100 bet. So if, hold on, I thought I got June 1st. You got, you got May, how many days are in May? 31. May 31st versus June 1st. I think that's, that'll be an interesting bet then. So you're May 31st. You're not doing June 1st. I got June 1st. All right, I'll give you June 1st. June 1st, you say May 31st. If I really, really, if I went out on a limb, if I think they're going to play, I would think it'd be late June. I just think we're too stupid, we're too selfish, and we're not going to have this thing under control um, by at least the end of April. And at at the very least at the end of April. So what are they going to do? They're going to bring guys back. They're going to play in empty stadiums. I just don't see it. I just don't see it, man. And uh, if they go back and they rush too much, then they're going to have to shut the season down again. Wait, have you seen the, the WWE videos going around? that I don't even know if this stuff is real or if, if it's them doing a, um, a, a run-through or something because it's scripted. But of WWE being filmed in front of like empty, empty arenas, is, have you seen this? Is this even real? I, I don't pay attention to wrestling, uh, fake wrestling especially. Oh, my uh, God. Don't get me down this rabbit hole. Don't call it fake. Don't just, just say it's wrestling. It's entertainment. That's what it, I have not seen these videos, and I highly doubt they're doing that, too. Do you call See, this is what I mean, though. This is what I mean. People should not be wrestling with each other. People should not be having random sex with each other right now. Let's just shut it down for a while, okay? People should not be playing any sports. And, yes, the KBL thing is fascinating, but that's a completely different situation where South Korea had all these tests set up and they tracked down other people that did it, and it took them a while to get back to normalcy, but they're still playing with no, with no fans and they're playing with masks on their face? Yeah, I don't yeah. see it, man. I don't see it. I, I just – and it sucks because I got to tell you, this is the most excited I have been for a baseball season probably – since 2008, in all honesty. That, and that's the year your Phillies won. I, I that's was right. working in uh, you know, MLB Network Radio, Sirius XM. You know, we went, it was still XM at the time. We went down. We did pre and post game from the field. It was amazing. I was so excited about that, and I'm so excited about this season. I want to see Trout. I want to see Bellinger. I want to see, see so much, and it's just going to be a shortened season. So that brings up the next thing. So we have a $100 bet. You think it starts before June 1st. I think it starts after June 1st. Um, but here's the next thing. How does it alter the 2020 season? And let us they're not playing 100 games or 162 games. We can agree on that, right? 
Yeah, absolutely not. They're not playing 162 games. What about 100 games? Do you think they get 100 games in? Well, let's say that they even get, all right, we'll call it 100, and then somebody ends up hitting 40 home runs. How pissed people are going to be and start doing the whole thing that I've done with the 94, 95 seasons, the 81 season Mm -hmm. of these potential record seasons that guys like Matt Williams would have had or Jeff Bagwell would have had or Frank Thomas would have had, Greg Maddox, but they didn't get a finish and play out a, um, a full season, and I think that that is in all likelihood what we would end up seeing because guys get hot over a stretch, over a stretch of a couple months, and those um, those numbers look a lot better than maybe they would have been for 162 games. But you're always going to wonder, you know, what would have happened if the guy p- played a full season, if Mike Trout, who goes, let's say, he does something stupid like goes 40-40 over 100 games, like what would have happened if um, if he was able to play? over the course of 162, and I think we're going to see a lot of that. We've seen it every single time that there's been a shortened season. Yeah, well, you got some great stats on that. I just want to talk about a couple other things because Tom Verducci, a great guy, known pretty well, he came up with these stats. Through 100 games, from 2012 to 2019, through 100 games, there were 17 teams within five games of a wild card spot. 17, Okay. Through 162 games, you only had 13.6. So now we're talking about, in each league, two more teams that are going to be within five games. Um, personally, I like that. I think that's really cool. And I've gone back, and I've told you this, I didn't watch a pitch of the 1995 season. I was so pissed off at Major League Baseball. It's the only season I missed where I just wouldn't even watch. This is a different situation. I mean, this is a, this is a, just, it's a pandemic. So, I would actually look at the – I would actually get a little bothered by the records that aren't being set. But I'd also understand, at least there was a legitimate reason for this. It wasn't the owners and the players, you know, fighting each other. But we could also see a more exciting pennant race if we're only playing 100 games. Are you okay with that? I mean, under the circumstances, I don't really have a choice, but I have to be okay with it. Um, I haven't seen Verducci's numbers. I'd be really interested to see – is he talking per season that was? Or is yeah, that through 2012. Yeah, through 2012 to 2019, there were 17 teams within five games of a wild card spot. Okay? Through 100 games. Through the 162, it's at 13.6. So, again, we're looking at about four teams, three and a half teams. I don't know if that's going to make it particularly more exciting because think about this uh, through 100 games. The teams within five games, they have 62 more games to um, make up that distance. Five games is a lot, uh, a lot bigger distance when you're playing only 100 games or 120 games versus that 162. I don't, I don't know if it's going to make it much more exciting for a pennant race, um, just because you got four additional teams that are, you know, within five percent, whereas. If they were, that would put them at like eight games over 162. You know, that's not really particularly close. I think that's a good argument, but I'm going to go this way that baseball has just been, it's dead in Pittsburgh right now, it's dead in Kansas. I don't want to say dead in Kansas City, but, you know, these teams are in a rebuild. And what if we got one of these teams that's not built for the long haul, but they can hang in there through 100 games? I think that does give an advantage to some of the teams that are less talented. Maybe it's only one team, but, you know, who would have been in after 100 games last year? Indians, Cubs, who would have been out? Rays, Brewers. Things change a lot over those last 62 games. Phillies, Mariners, 2018. Rockies, A's, out. 
things change a lot. I do think that it will make for a more exciting pennant race, although it's not 162 games. All right, so I'm hearing is you want to do a second bet that the uh, Pirates are going to make the playoffs. That is absolutely incorrect. Um, what I am saying, though, is that a team that is not as talented that has hung in through 100 games is not going to have a chance to fold over the last 62. And no. there's proof here. I mean, there is proof. I just gave you the last two years with the teams that would have been in and out. You're absolutely right, but nobody would be surprised if the Phillies made the postseason last year. They were surprised that they didn't, that they didn't do anything. They're one game better than they were the year before. Um, but I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think that you'd see a team that you wouldn't otherwise see get in over 162 games. So then you talk about the schedule. There's no – let's just say it's May 31st, okay? I'll go with you here. May 31st, June 1st. You can't go back and play the games from April and May. You just have to pick up the schedule where it is. And that, to me, is fascinating because if you already don't like an unbalanced schedule because of interleague, now it's going to get really crazy. I mean, you may be playing interleague teams – what are you playing? Them? Maybe four or five games? Is that what we have, four or five games interleague? Do we ever have the six no, games, maybe six games? 18 it, total. It's possible. Well, I'm talking about versus individual teams. I mean, it's possible. Okay. Let's just take the Nationals. They might play more games against the American League team than they would a National League West team. I, I got to be honest with you. Given Manfred and what he's done, I wouldn't see be at all surprised to see Major League Baseball try to do something dramatic and see, like, I don't know, five or six-inning doubleheaders every day. <laughs> It's, it sounds ridiculous, but that is what Rob Manfred has been. He's, he's been a ridiculous commissioner with these, these nonsensical ideas to bring interest to the game. And here has an opportunity in which he has an excuse to do something this dramatic. And I, I really wouldn't be surprised if, if they cut the length of the games and they're doing that instead. I can't see it happening just because of the logistics with stadiums. You know, it's, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do? How are you going to rebuild a schedule between now and May? How are you going to do it? It seems impossible to me. Even if you carry on from the point at which you know this the season from what do we say June first on? Uh, even if you carry on, you could still just double up. All right, here's some of the other things. Let's look at the uh, the teams that would benefit this. I mean, we don't really know how good the schedule is for a team because some teams start off hot. Some teams start off cold. Bottom line is this though. Thank God we're not playing baseball in April because we won't have as many uh, rainouts or snow outs or cold outs or whatever they have. But um, the Cubs, we're going to play 27 of their first 63 games. That's 43% of their schedule against last place teams from last season. So the Cubs are getting screwed a little bit. Um, the Astros would miss half their games against the A's and the Angels. Now, these are big. The Yankees are going to miss a great start to their season. They'd have played 28 of 34 games against losing teams from last year. And then They're there going is. To redo the, the schedule. They, they have they, to redo they it? Have, absolutely. But how? How do even, you redo it? I, didn't even look. I don't know. I don't think Manfred knows. And I don't think playing two six inning games or seven inning games like they do in the minors for double headers is the answer. I don't think it's the answer either. But again, he's just. He's just a ridiculous man. All right, let's not worry about Manfred for a second. Baseball. Let's not worry about him. You are the commissioner, okay? you got a 100-game season. How's it playing out? Uh, 
let, I'll let you think about it. I'll let you think about it because here's how it plays out for me. A hundred game season, you just pick it up from where it was. You I play the last hundred games. You can't do that though. Why not? The only way that you you can go about doing that is if you change the um, the playoff uh, structure. Yes. You're not going to just take the division winners. You're going to do something crazy like they did in '81 or Love whatever, it. where you're you're looking at only um, two division. Uh, two divisions or maybe one league as a whole, and you're just picking the best teams with the best records. I think that's what you do. And uh, 81, I really don't remember that well. I remember the World Series. I think I do at least. I think it was the Dodgers and the Yankees um, and Fernando out there, and they split up the seasons. Unfortunately, and I don't remember which team had the best record from start to finish, they didn't make the playoffs that year. Yeah, they really dropped the ball on that. I think I want to say it was the Expos, actually, but I'm pulling it up now. Um, and I remember that, that how they didn't consider that as a possibility that a team could finish with the best record and then still go on to lose out. Um, the Reds, yeah, why did I say the Expos? The Reds were 66 and 42, mm-hmm. and um, they had a 611 win percentage, but they didn't finish with the better half either way. So um, I guess I guess they were out. <laughs> yeah, it sucked. So they at least they have something to look back on. I would not mind just two leagues. But again, now we're getting into a, a case where you've got unbalanced home and road schedules. So the Nationals, right? They had a front-loaded travel schedule. They're going to be on a road a whole bunch. And now, you know, 91 of their final 102 games, this is from Verducci, are in the Eastern time zone. That's a huge advantage. Because those West Coast swings are really tough for the East Coast teams. You know, they're going out there. They're playing at, at, instead of 7 at night. They're playing at 10 at night. You got the travel and everything like that. That's that's a massive advantage for the teams that are going to have more home games than road games. But, again, I mean, if it's up to me, here's what I'm doing. I'm taking every team, um, it, it, every single team. I'm not even making two leagues. I'm taking every single team, and I'm playing split seasons. That's what I'm doing. I'm playing split seasons, and you could put an asterisk next to you if you want to. I can't blame the commissioner here for any decision he makes because it's just a, it's a horrible spot to be in. It really is. It's a horrible spot because there is no right answer, Spader. You could, if they come out and play two six- or seven-inning doubleheaders, people are going to pl- complain about that. If they play a split season, people are going to pl- complain about that. There's just there's no right answer here. He's screwed. He's screwed. I mean, if, if people thought it was bad with the Astros, they're going to be all over him with what they do. I think just get rid of it. Play, you know, play the league, get the get two halves, and what you do is you give the best two teams for the full season, you get them in the playoffs, you get the other, you know, winners from the first half and the second half, and you put them in the playoffs. You expand the playoffs a little bit, and you get it over with. Yeah, I don't I don't know enough about the 81 season. i got to look more into it, but imagine – you, you go into this um, uh, strike, right? And then mm-hmm. you're coming out for the second half, and you already know that you're in the postseason. Like how right. that changes your, how you're going to play the games and approach the games. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's what happened. That's not a good idea. I get it, man. But I don't think there's, up with that? there's no good idea. That's, that's the problem I have with this. By the way, the ex, here, I got this up here. The Dodgers beat the Astros. The Expos mm-hmm. beat the Phillies. Mm-hmm. A's over the Royals, Yankees over the Brewers, Dodgers over the Expos, and then the Yankees over the A's, and you have the Dodgers beating the Yankees four games to two. Do we look back at 1981, though, and put an asterisk next to what the Dodgers did that year? No. I don't, at least. I kind of feel like 
uh, I kind of feel like the Braves, you know, that shortened season, I almost put an asterisk next to that, but I only do that because I'm still pissed off for the owners and the players. Mm-hmm. I got to get uh, over that. That's a problem I have. It's 25 years. Kushner, get over it. Yeah, the Reds not making it, though. It's just a bad look. They finished. Uh-huh. They were 35-21 and 21 in the first half. 31 and 21 in the second half, second both times, and then they finished with the best record in Major League Baseball, didn't make the postseason. Mm. I mean, it's just brutal. Seriously, it's brutal, man. And they didn't make it. Um, and could you imagine if they did that today, what people would think about that? I think it was Bowie Kuhn was the, was the, um, was the commissioner back then. And if you think people hate Rob Manfred, Oh my God, Bowie Coon, and he was the he was the commissioner of Major League Baseball for 15 years. But I mean, he had multiple labor strikes. Who was the last commissioner that actually was loved, beloved by the fans? Well, not Bud Selig. No, definitely. Um, Faye Vincent was in the uh, the the Pete Rose thing, I believe, wasn't he? Didn't he have? Yeah, yeah he he was he the one it. that landed Pete Rose's lifetime ban. Being a commissioner is awesome because you make a lot of money, but it also sucks. You know, Bud Selig, believe it or not, actually did some decent things. Yeah. But he also also did did some some horrible things. things, And that 94 strike, the fact that he was basically an owner of a team and the commissioner, that really screwed things up. The All-Star game, this time it counts. He did a lot of bad things. But I, I don't know if there's ever been a commissioner in any sport that's been beloved the whole time. I don't think so. And I think this decision is, and Manfred knows this, this decision is going to go in his legacy. And honestly, unless it's a complete botch job, I am willing to give him a free pass here. I know you can't stand it. I like some of the things he's implemented. I think the Astros thing, he completely botched. But how can you criticize a guy for this if they're playing a shortened season? There's just no right answer. No, I I agree that there's probably no best way. Uh, There's probably a best answer maybe not maybe not a right one and i don't know what that is um hopefully manfred is smarter than me or at least employs people who are smarter than me who can figure it out but i i i don't know if any of these are going to result in the majority of baseball fans or at least the plurality of baseball fans being happy with what's decided Mm. especially to do something like they did in 1981 i mean that's ridiculous well, hopefully they can learn from that. You know, I, I don't think they're going to go to one league. I don't think they're going to go to two leagues. It's just, it's going to be a bad scene. And you and I uh, completely different on this. I don't think we see baseball even through May. Um, if we do, maybe it's guys warming up and getting it going. I think there is a legitimate shot that we don't even have a postseason this year. I'm, and I'm not a doomsday guy. I'm just looking at it. And it's, it's. It's going to get a lot worse than, than before it gets better, and that a lot worse might last longer because a lot of people are being idiots. All right, well, what, what do you do in a scenario which, like, say, say we're good to go, they're playing baseball, but not until mid-August. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't just not play, right? Because if you're able to play, they're going to play. They're going to make money. There's money to be made. They're going to figure it out. But are they going to send a team to the postseason – in a 40-game season? Is that no. what we're going to see? Or I think you have a tournament. figure out a tournament. you got a tournament. You know yeah. how exciting that would be? That would be great. I know. That would be great, which is my idea. Cut the season down to 25 games and play a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
want to see how, how I know. putting that together. I know. I know. It would be cool to see a tournament, though, right? I mean, just for one year, since everything is just cockamamie anyways. How about we just we figure out a way to play the tournament? Um, and I guess you have a small sample there, right? Because what are you playing? 40 games in all likelihood if you start in August? Play a whole bunch of doubleheaders, push it back. But the logistics for a tournament would be a nightmare, too. Like what, what are we going to do? We're going to do it like the NCAA tournament where we have one site and we send eight teams there. We have another site and we have eight teams there. That would be pretty interesting. Actually. Like the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. Well, I had um, last year I, I made a proposal in terms of what I think would be a better postseason. And it was sort of tournament style where you have a bracket with one through eight on either side. And you get the one versus the eight, the four versus the five, three and six, and two and seven. And, for example, last year you would have had the Astros and the Rangers. The Rangers didn't even have a 500 record, but they would have uh, made the postseason as an eight team. And then you'd have the uh, other side of the bracket has the Yankees, the two, and the Red Sox, the seven. I, and I just think this would make for more exciting baseball because you have teams that were other, otherwise out of it with six weeks remaining who would – potentially go on to make the postseason you get fans interested in it for a longer time because let's face it the only people who really like um, baseball when their team is out of it are people like me or people like you who are you know making a living doing this stuff yeah we're making a living we're betting you know we're playing dfs we're watching it we love the game i again i go in and out of love with Major League Baseball. It does. It goes up and down for me, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear it. I probably shouldn't say it, but there are some years where I'm just – I'm. it takes me a couple months to get into the season. Now, I will follow it, and I will watch it, but it's not the most exciting thing. This year, I was so excited. You know, you've got some top-heavy teams, and you got the Dodgers, and you got the Nationals, and you got the Yankees. you got some big-name teams, too, you, and maybe – and you got the Astros. We're all – we all want to see, except for Astros fans, we all want to see them on the road. Hmm. How about that, too? How about that? This is the best. Coronavirus has saved the Astros at least for a little bit. Maybe the vitriol died down a little bit between now and, you know, whenever they come to your stadium. It doesn't matter. When they play in Yankee Stadium, thank God that game's in September. Those games are in September. They're going to get blasted. But Yeah, but then they're going to get blasted with Garrett Cole on the mound going against them. Right? Come on. <sighs> It's a debacle. It's a debacle. And really, when it comes down to it, the Major League season is not the most important thing going on right now, but this is our business, and we'd love it. Anything else you want to say before we move on? No, I just it sucks. back to normal. <laughs> I, I know. It's not going to be – this is going to be normal. Just hang out in your house. But can, let, let me bring something up before we legit move on. You put it out on Twitter. Like, your girlfriend had never thrown a baseball? Is this true? And you guys played catch? Yeah, she had never thrown a baseball. Now, everybody's saying, so I, I'll, I'll run you through the uh, overall what I, what I was getting from people on this. Everybody was insisting that she um, uh, grew up playing cricket, which she didn't. She said it's not really a popular thing in Iran. She's she, from Iran. Yeah. Yes. So apparently people think it's a super popular thing in Iran. It's, it's not. Uh, a lot of people were impressed because she's, Threw the ball pretty well. Turns out she played a little bit of dodgeball. So um, perhaps that had something to do with it. Some other people, I, I'm not sure if this is a PC thing or uh, people are just making jokes, but she thought it was funny. Um, some people insisted that she grew up throwing rocks. Oh, that's, um, come on, man. 
Uh, she laughed, whatever. She uh, laughed she, at it? As long as she laughed at it. That's kind of messed yeah. up. She, she Such a dicks on, on social media, seriously. Rocks. Um, uh, a lot of people were suggesting that her their favorite team sign her, which is a little bit uh, over the top, in my opinion, but uh, this is a decent arm. Uh, <laughs> and um, it, it was just, it was overall, it got a, a lot of, I, I mean, it's got over a million views. It's what? Yeah. <laughs> a million views? Yeah, and I, you know what? I really should have realized when um, she's thrown her shoes at me a couple times. And, uh, I should have realized that this she would have a pretty good arm just from that. But um, the, the, the funniest thing is people are like, there's no way this is the first time she's thrown a baseball and all this stuff, right? I handed her the baseball glove, and she's right-handed. She tried to put it on her throwing hand. Yeah, and I was like, no, 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 not this. And then give her the baseball, and she was throwing with both feet planted. And I'm like, no, 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 step into it like this. And she's like, with which foot? I don't even know. And I'm not even kidding. I, it was probably the sixth or seventh throw that I put on there on Twitter, and she just figured it out. Pretty good arm. Now I think the catching thing is kind of tough, because what you're throwing the ball to her. How'd she do catching-wise? Because you only put one throw up there. My sense is that you edited it, and she probably sucked a million times. No, she, I, I'll, I guess I'll have to do a longer one. She, she did all right uh, catching. It's just kind of a pain to film it and mm-hmm. throw at the same time. I didn't want to make myself look bad, you know, having a crappy throw because I got a glo- or I'm trying to throw the ball and hold the camera at the same time. You know, I got I to gotta make sure my arm looks superior to that of the um, – foreign-born national who had never thrown a baseball before. Well, you know, I, I don't – did she play sports over there? Because women just got the, the, the go-ahead to attend soccer games over there. She, yes, she played um, volleyball, basketball, and track and field. And she never was a weightlifter because it's huge in Iran. No, um, not, not an Iron Sheik. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get back to this. We got Spader's stats in a second. So we got no NBA, no NHL, and none of our passion here with Major League Baseball. And you might think there's nothing to bet on, and you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sport events and games to wager on. Um, here's the deal. You can do the Vegas thing, too. Online casino and blackjack open 24 hours a day, all online. It is bet online. 24 hours a day online, $750,000 poker series. I think you'd be good at that, Spader. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, even the weather. Visit the site, bet online, and you'll receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, you're wagering experts. Uh, they need to get weather up there, too. I'm all about betting on the weather. I love but crushing meteorologists because can, they're wrong so often. I, just, it, 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 I, I was really intrigued with the they have you can bet on stock prices. Now that's that's fascinating to me because that's what? a whole nother. You said stock prices. Uh, that's a whole nother level of just being a complete degenerate. Because if you want to bet on stocks, just go buy them. But no, you can go in there and place place a wager too. That's pretty. Solid. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And yeah, I'm betting on the weather, dude. I'm betting on the weather. I got insiders that can help me out, although they're wrong all the time. So why would I even ask them? Uh, let's move on. It's time for Spader's stats, and our great production team came up with this again. Spader's stats, stats, stats. You ready? 
Yeah, man. I asked you if you wanted me to keep doing it or not. You didn't tell me no, so I'll just keep doing it till somebody writes us to stop doing it. Um, So here we go. Short. Speaking of shortened seasons, right? Uh, Fred McGriff, Harold Baines, a couple of guys that you brought up, and this is really how it's it's going to hurt those two guys getting into the Hall of Fame. And I know you also have current players too, but let's start with McGriff and Baines. Give me some stats there. Well, first on Baines, because he did get in the Hall of Fame, obviously, with this last one. Baines fell 134 hits shy of 3,000. He fell 12 doubles shy of 500 and 16 home runs shy of uh, 400. His overall career counting numbers are right there with what should be a Hall of Famer. But um, what people took issue with was that he was a DH for the majority of his career, um, which obviously I don't take issue with even though I despise the position. Um, and he played through three different se- uh, strike-shortened sort- seasons. Now, this is going to create a, a, a shortened season for a reason other than a strike. You know, like you said several times, it's a pandemic. Um, and I foresee some of these ball players now who are closing on milestones. You know, Albert Pujols is um, – not far off from Henry Aaron. He's going to need a couple seasons to get there in terms of his home run count. Miguel Cabrera is 23 shy of home runs, but he's really slowed down. Uh, Cabrera also 185 hits shy of uh, 3,000. And then um, just several different pitchers who are going to be borderline Hall of Famers, a guy like Cole Hamels, who, in my opinion, is right there with Zach Greinke, um, a tick below Justin Verlander who are going to have their Hall of Fame cases um, sort of cut here. Uh, another one, John Lester. Uh, Felix Hernandez, uh, he's kind of a fringe guy as well at this point, and he is um, less than 500 strikeouts away from getting the 3,000, which is, of course, that, um, in my opinion, arbitrary mark, arbitrary benchmark. But we've seen players throughout history not make it for those reasons. Fred McGriff is a guy who probably would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer had he hit seven more home runs, and he probably would have hit seven more home runs in the 1994 season in which he hit 34 in 113 games mm-hmm. uh, had he been able to play the extra 49 games. He, he in all likelihood, would, would have hit the seven additional bombs that he needed to get there. And here he is still to this day on the outside looking, looking in. All right, Spader, tell me why defense doesn't matter. So I'm not saying that defense doesn't matter entirely. However, I would contend that um, all-time great defense, something you're going to get from a guy like Omar Vizquel, is not that much more valuable or there's not that much value added versus somebody who's just really good or great at defense. Uh, For example, I'd rather take the career of Jimmy Rollins, who overall was – an average offensive player, um, MVP season, great defensive shortstop, versus the career of Omar Vizquel, who was an abysmal offensive shortstop. I believe he's 18% below league average. He had just two seasons above average, uh, and there's no doubt about it. He's one of the greatest defensive shortstops of all time. I just don't think that there's that much value added when – you're looking at a Jimmy Rollins in the field versus uh, an Omar Vizquel in the field. And for that same reason, this is why I would always make the argument that Edgar Martinez was the better overall player. Um, 
Edgar didn't play most of his career in the field. He played 30.1% 30, of his games were actually in the field, a lot more than some people give him credit for. But he was one of the greatest bats of a generation. Uh, I believe he was 47% above average in terms of his offensive output. And no amount of defense, Edgar Zero to Omar Vizquel's all-time great defense, is going to make up for that giant gap in offensive output. So you got some more stats. Uh, Chris Sale. So we haven't even talked about Sale yet. He's done for the season. This might be a blessing for him. They don't play. He doesn't miss any time. <laughs> you know, the other thing is, are they going to pay the players? I have no idea how that's even working, to be Me honest. Me neither. I, I didn't even look into it. I, I, it's not – I mean, I hope they're getting paid, but where's the revenue coming from? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like an act of God. Even if you don't believe in God – it's still an act of God. That's what they call it. So that's kind of what this is right now. But give me some stale, some sales stats because this guy, is he a modern-day Randy Johnson? Ah, that's tough to say. Nobody's Randy Johnson but Randy Johnson. But Chris Sale's a special ball player. Uh, last six seasons, he's had at least 200 strikeouts and at least five strikeouts per, uh, per walk allowed. And those six are actually the most all-time. Behind him, you got Roy Halladay with five. Kurt Schilling, who should be in the Hall of Fame himself, with four. Um, Corey Kluber, four. Max Scherzer, four. And then um, Bobby Matthews, Jim Whitney, who are guys from the 1800s. Uh, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Cliff Lee, and Clayton Kershaw, all with three. You look at Sale's um, career average in terms of strikeouts per walk, and it's 5.367, which is the best in baseball history. Edging Tommy Bond, who was at 5.036, and Bond pitched at a time back in the 1800s when as many as nine balls were required uh, to walk a batter, and the mound was as close as 45 feet to home plate. Uh, I don't think Chris Sale's walking anybody if uh, he gets nine balls and he can throw from 45 feet. Rogers Hornsby. A lot, of, a lot of young people might not know about Rogers Hornsby. Tell me about him and the stat you got there. So one of the things I find most fascinating about Hornsby is he had um, 2,705 hits oh. at, uh, through his age 33 season. He played until he was 41 years old, and then he fell just shy of 3,000 for his career. Um, I, tapped, I tagged in um, John Thorne, who's a Major League Baseball historian, and Bill James on this one, and because uh, I was really curious. Was 3,000 hits just not really a thing? Um, Thorne said, yeah, no, not really. And James said, eh, there's some notes say that it did kind of exist as a, as a landmark for a player, but it just wasn't really given any credit. And they, um, they both uh, pointed to Sam Rice, who fell 13 hits shy of 3,000 before retiring. But um, one of the things I enjoy most about Hornsby is he had a stretch of 878 games during his career that he batted 399. And I know we don't care. About batting average? Or I do. When you flirt sure. with 400, I care. Yes, exactly. That's my point, though. But when your batting average is a stellar on-base percentage, then we can care about it a little bit. And uh, if you want just the, what he what he hit the 400 for, I just did the, um, the what was it, uh, the 878-game stretch uh, for the 399 because it was so much different than his 400 which was 762 games, and he maintained that 400 batting average for 762. Uh, Hornsby's one of the greatest players of all time. Doesn't get much credit. Every single time I tweet him out, I get all these people 
common and you know without a picture or a name and they're just saying about how racist he is and stuff like they knew him personally in the 1910s and 20s of course a much different time but whatever uh fantastic baseball career i love it (laughs) i i didn't know anybody brought that up okay here we go rogers hornsby right super old guy now he was born in 1896 but he played from 1915 to 1937 i mean my god his ops 1097 1181 1086 1203 1245 had a dip uh 851 uh 1035 1130 I haven't heard that before, but um, one of the greatest players of all time. So I'm glad you go back in time and you dig up some of these stats. we got one more, though. Hank Greenberg. Hank Greenberg. Huge name in the Jewish community. Huge name in Detroit. One of the greatest hitters of all time. What do you got for me on Greenberg? Well, Greenberg's another guy who's one of my favorites of all time because I intend on doing another book at some point, and I'm just going to get away from just the entire uh, – baseball stat thing of course that'll be a huge part of it but I want to include every ball player who was um, also in the uh, military service uh, whether that be uh, World War One uh, World War Two Korean War um, even to a guy in the uh, modern uh, wars with uh, Mitch Harris who's a relief pitcher for the Cardinals but uh, Greenberg had 956 RBI over 952 game span from September 3rd 1933 to May 6, 1941. He batted 328, 422, 638 during that stretch. And uh, on May 7th, the day that that you know, ended, he um, was inducted into the United States Army. And he had a great quote. He said, I made up my mind to go when I was called. My country comes first. And what's fascinating about Greenberg is he returned to baseball on July 1st, 1945, after serving the longest tenure of any ball player during World War II. Uh, with exception to guys who I always like to give credit, Harry O'Neill and Elmer Gideon, because they didn't come home. Those are two major leaguers who lost their lives. And uh, he went on to lead the Tigers to a a World Series championship. But if that's not cool enough, Greenberg went and had um, another Jewish ball player, Ed Merkowitz, who played for the Tigers. Ed Merkowitz. How are you, Eddie? (laughs) Come on over. We'll give you some matzo ball soup. All right, tell me about Ed Merkowitz. I've never heard about him. So – Merkowitz um, didn't play at all during the World Series, and in Game 7, the bottom of the ninth with the Tigers up 9-3, to three, Greenberg faked an injury so that uh, Merkowitz could get into the game and uh, replaced him and made his only appearance in the series. I'm just looking at Greenberg. That's right. That was, that was the great stat you had on that. Uh, Greenberg is 16th all-time in adjusted OPS. Uh, there's a guy named Dave Orr. I highly recommend you go to Baseball Reference and check this guy's picture out because he looks like a used car salesman. The, he, and he's 14th. I'd never heard of Dave Orr before, Pete Browning. But how about that? Hank Greenberg, 16. Musial, 15. At the top, Ruth Williams, Bonds, Garrick Trout. Where's my guy, Joe DiMaggio? Now, this is, this is just crushing me. You know, my grandpa said he was the greatest player ever he'd ever seen. Uh, he's 22nd, tied with Hank Aaron and Mel Ott. That's not bad either. Yeah, and DiMaggio, of course, missed some time uh, during World War II himself, age mm-hmm. 28, 29, and um, 30 seasons. And then he came back and won an MVP in his second season back from uh, World War II. Um, Dave War, though, Dave War's a guy who played in, like, the 1880s with the 45-foot mound, and guys were 
trying to throw you strikes and all that. I, that's where I kind of get a little bit fuzzy as to whether or not I'm going to count what those guys did because it was an entirely different game. Of course, it's good to note, but I, if you're going to include those numbers, I'd like to note the, the stuff regarding the mound and how many uh, pitches were required for a walk and the fact that the, the pitchers were supposed to be pitching machines up there, giving you something to hit. All right, so as part of our launch, we're going to wrap this up here. As part of our launch with Blue Wire, we're giving away a brand new copy of MLB The Show. So you got to leave us a five-star review. Yes, a five-star review on Apple with your favorite memory of a walk-off, and we'll announce our favorite one on a future episode. So, again, five-star review on Apple, your favorite memory of a walk-off. I'm going to let you think about yours for just a second, but I was lucky enough to be at three of the greatest walk-offs in the history of Major League Baseball, at least for the modern day. Um, Mookie Wilson, was that a, a walk-off? It was a walk-off era, right? Uh, you're talking about 86? Yeah. That was a now, walk-off. No? So so the, the Buckner run actually tied the game. It wasn't um, the one that put them ahead to win it. No, they won it on the Buckner error. No, they didn't. What do you mean, no, they didn't? I was there. I remember. <laughs> I... Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. It went between Buckner's legs. All right, you can go watch the video after I thought, this. I don't know. I thought That's, they yes, it. here comes – like and, and I've gone back and I've watched Vince Scully say, here I'm comes sure, Knight, the Mets win I'm it. I'm sure you have. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. It went Carter, Mitchell, Knight, Mookie. They ended up – I mean, it was great. So, anyways, Mookie's right there. Puckett in 91 when I went to Minneapolis, game six against the Braves. Not only does he make a great catch against the wall in the Metrodome, he brings it down, then he hits a walk-off. That was the loudest uh, baseball stadium I've ever been in. And then there was Jeter in 2001. That, that was maybe the most special walk-off just because of the, the attacks in September. And then we're playing the first game that went into November. Um, it, it, everybody was on edge. I, to this day, I've never felt safer at a sporting event than that day. It, it was just amazing. Tino ties it. Later in the game, Jeter hits the walk-off. I'm not a Yankee fan, but I'm high-fiving everybody on singing New York, New York. Gosh, I don't know which one to go with. I'm just, you know what? I'm going to go with Jeter. I'm going to go with Jeter on that one, 2001. I was really in love with this girl. I, sh I should have married her, but I cut off another engagement. I've done that too many times. Jeter, 2001, Yankee Stadium, best walk-off. How about you? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm an idiot. He, of course, did walk it off. I know. You were right. I mistakenly, uh, because of he's not given enough credit to the uh, pitcher who gave up, got two outs and then gave up three, uh, what, three hits in a row. Stanley and then Chiraldi. I think yeah, it was Chiraldi and Stanley. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Stanley had a wild pitch. Mm -hmm. And yeah. All so right. Mookie was I, at the plate and then boom. I apologize. Don't apologize. I mean, again, just don't question me when it comes to old-timey stuff. I was negative three. You were ne so you weren't even, like, in your dad's ball sack yet. No, that's a great image that you've put in my head. Are you, like, thinking it through? That's kind of gross. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, boy. Yeah, so give me a walk-off, would you? So one that I really like uh, is not one that I've seen or uh, that I even know footage exists for, but Pirates Harvey Haddock's through 12 perfect innings on May 26, 1959, and he would um, lose the game on a walk-off home run that would be ruled a double by Joe Adcock because he was passed by Henry Aaron on the base pads in the uh, 13th inning. So 12 perfect innings and um, didn't uh, even get a W.
Uh, there's like a two-minute clip of it on YouTube if you want to see it. Is there? I'll check yeah. that out. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I think there's another one, like a seven-minute one. I'm going to go check that out, too, now that the show's over. Uh, so, again, five-star review on Apple. Tell us your favorite walk-off, and one of you will win a new copy of MLB The Show. Spader, it's a lot of fun, buddy, all season long. We're going to get these interviews going here very soon, too, and you'll have a whole bunch of content. Thank you so much for listening to our show. That's all I could say. Uh, do you want to say goodbye? Do you want to give a shout-out to anybody? Maybe your girlfriend for being such a great thrower? No. Uh, I'm going to give you one more walk-off, though, because this is awesome. I okay. forgot about it. Wes Farrell hit a pinch-hit walk-off home run on July 21st, 1935. And then the next day, <laughs> the next day he tossed a complete game victory and hit another walk-off home run. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he died. Like the next day he died. He went out on top. That's an amazing stat. Holy moly. Walk-off homers on back-to-back days, one of which you're a pinch hitter, the other one you're the winning pitcher. Oh, my God. Hey, thanks again. I want to say thank you to Blue Wire and, and Kevin and the boys over there. You guys are absolutely amazing. This is so much fun getting into this. Um, again, uh, for Spader, I'm Holden Kushner, and we'll catch you later in the week.